You're listening to the Yeshiva of Newark at IDT podcast. I'm your host and curator, Rabbi Aprom Kipolevich, and I hope you enjoy this episode. All right, so we're continuing Hilchas Pesach. There was a, um, a Shammai Gross, who seems to be a great posik in, 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 um, uh, in the Belzer uh, community, asked Rebbe Yosha the following question. Um, we know that flour is, we're machmir to have flour, even though flour needs water in it to rise, to become chomets. But if you have flour that's in a, a big package, technically it might not even be chomets, right? Now, we don't, we obviously are machmir because we're worried that it might have gotten wet and it could be some of those grains or chametz. But it turns out that in Eretz Yisrael, you can get flour very cheap during Chavamayr Pesach. And let's say, for example, you, you have a, a factory or a company that, that, that produces cookies or cakes, and you're able to get not just flour from, you know, in a five-pound package, but a huge amount of flour at a very cheap price. Can you purchase it? Now, it's not really chomets l'chora. It's a suffix. Possibly it might be chomets. But Rav Gross thought that maybe you you do it in a way that you're not kone it completely for Pesach yet. Like you do a, a payment, but the Kenyan's not really chal until after Pesach. So you pay a little bit up front to make sure that when you pay the rest, you'll get it at that price. But it's a suffix, whether it's chametz, and it's a dover ovid. Maybe you should be allowed to do that. So Rabbi Yoshev said, no. He said, look, if we hold that there's a chash of chametz bepesach, even though it's a, it's a steal, it's a dover ovid chain kamo. If he's going to have to wait till after Pesach to restock, it's going to be extremely expensive. As he says, Ein v'sasek b'chametz. We, we assume, although we, we don't know for sure, but there's a, there's a tzad that it's, we consider it like chomet, that there might, might be chomets, and we can, and therefore we don't hold flour in our house. We put it away, we're mocheret. So there's no het there, even if you can come up with a way that it's technically not yours, you're still doing business with it. You're still doing business with chomets on Pesach, and, and that's not the right thing to do. Tainus Bechayrim this year is a little more akuladic, but uh, the the Tainus is going to be on Thursday. That's the day of Tainus Bechayrim this year, which technically is is actually the 12th of Nisan, right? Because um, Friday is the 13th and Shabbos is the 14th. So in Tainus Bechayrim, um, we know that if the if you go to the Siyam, a Bechor is now potter from fasting. Does the Bechor need to eat? Whoever it is, does he need to eat from that Suda? Is just being there enough? So, Rav Yashiv says, yeah, you don't need to eat anything. You just need to hear the Siyam. Even if you eat nothing, if you heard the Siyam, 
from whoever said it. So now you were part of the sea and you can eat later. In fact, if you miss the seum and you sit and you and you show up when everybody's eating, that's wrong. They asked Rabbi Yosha, but what about by a brismila? By a brismila, you're, let's say a person has a kabbalah not to eat unless it's a sudas mitzvah. And now he shows up in shul and the bris is over and everybody is sitting and eating by the bris. So the halacha is you can sit and eat with them. Ah, you weren't there at the mitzvah. So Rabbi Yoshev said, the sudas bris, even though you weren't there at the mitzvah, has a special chashivas. One of the ideas that we know is that Elio Anovi is somehow connected to the Sudas Prismila. Um, and therefore, being at the Suda, even though you weren't there for the act of the Bris, is in a way a chalik of, of joining Klal Yisrael's appreciation of this mitzvah. Whether actually Elianovi is there or not is really not the point. The, the fact that, that we say Elianovi joins the Suda not just the actual bris itself, is a sign that, that the, the simcha that we show for this event is in a way a celebration of what the mitzvah is. And that makes it a sudas mitzvah. That, 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 that Klal Yisrael continues and that, we, that we, we aren't just crying over the pain of the child. But we actually are marveling at the fact that, that Klal Yisrael continues. And, and that's what we're, we're, we're being so aid for. But the suda of a, of a siyum, if you didn't, weren't there for the siyum, is nothing. So, as we said, make sure you're there for the siyum. Um, if somebody has uh, the minag to specifically... Um, and it's a beautiful minag if you can be makayimit. But a person had a certain minag from his father um, that the matzah that they would use would only be the matzah that was baked on Erev Pesach. Ushmartim as matzos, they were makayim that only with the matzah's mitzvah, and the matzah's mitzvah they held, like certain shitas, was only what was baked on Erev Pesach afternoon. Of course, this year you're not baking Erev Pesach, but in a normal year. So the question is, um, are you mechuyiv to follow that? If, now, it's interesting, the question came from Rabbi Zril Orebach. And I assume, as you know, Rabbi Zril Orebach's married Rabbi Yoshev's uh, daughter. Rav Azriel Arabach is the son of Rav Zalman. So I assume what was going on was the following. Rav Zalman himself always ate matzah from Erev Pesach. He baked Erev Pesach, and that was the matzah he had. Now Rav Azriel wanted to know if he was mechuyiv to be, to follow his father's minag. Maybe his father took him. But was he mechuyev to do that as well and only have matzah from what he baked to go Erev Pesach and only eat matzah that was baked on Erev Pesach? 
So Rabbi Yoshev told him, it's a beautiful thing that your father did, but it's not a mina gomor. And therefore, he's not mechuyev to follow and say, oh, this is what our family does. Rabbi Yoshev's grandson, Rabbi Yecheskel Berlin, asked his grandfather the following, that um, many people have the minag to keep the door unlocked of their apartment or house on um, the night of the Seder. And Rav Berlin thought that, especially in certain neighborhoods, this doesn't seem to be a, a, a proper thing to do. Are we really going to say Leil Shimurim? You're right, Leil Shimurim but now that the, especially in Israel, when, you know, the, the people who are not, people who aren't so careful about other people's property and actually are Ganovim, know that this is the minag of, of the Jews to keep their, of the religious Jews to keep their houses unlocked. It's almost like you're asking for trouble. Rabbi Yoshev said, if you're in a neighborhood that there's been break-ins, don't keep your door unlocked. Yes, Leo Shimura means spiritual. Malochim, Chavola cannot get you. Maybe you don't have to say all of Kriyashma Lamita. But that doesn't mean that you should keep your door unlocked. And if you do, you're probably doing uh, something that is quite silly. Um, in fact, there was a case that the editor of this uh, collection of, of Chuvis writes that there was someone that uh, uh, had been given a, uh, a leichter. In Hebrew, they call it um, a pamot, right? Um, a, candle, a candlestick. And someone gave to another family their candlesticks uh, to hold on to. And they had this minag of showing the talking by keeping the door open. And when you, what happened was they left the door open and the, and the leichters were stolen. So now the question is, you know, they were following this custom. Is it a pshia? Rebel Yoshev said, of course it's a pshia. <laughs> they were to, what were they doing? They have something very expensive in their house and they kept their door unlocked? And even if you want to say it's a nice Indian, it's one thing if it's your, if it's all you have in your house is your items. But to try to keep this frumkite or this minag on the cheshman of someone else's money? If they were expecting to do it, they maybe should have told the Baba boss that, hey, you know, I have this minig that I keep my door unlocked. In fact, Rabbi Yoshev thought it was such a, a funny thing that um, um, when the Bezdin, Sheris Yisrael, came to his house, he said, you know, someone asked me this funny question. <laughs> He really thought he was really amused by it, uh, by, you know, again, 
again, people have such amaratsis when it comes to frumkite. They don't realize that you're dealing with somebody else's money or even your own money or your own safety. You have to understand what it means, Leo Shimurim. It's not magic. In terms of uh, Bedika's comments, someone came into Rebbe Yoshev and asked him the following question. That uh, he's going home for Pesach, but in the yeshiva, he has, uh, they gave him like, a, not, his, not his room in a dorm, but he has a cubby where he keeps his farim and other things like that. But he, he didn't, he just went home, he didn't check that spot. So Rebbe Yoshev said the following. He said, if you have your own room at home, you can share it with someone, but that's your spouse, that's your spot. So your of Bidika that every Jew has to do, the of Bidika's Chometz, is to check the room in your house where you're sleeping. It doesn't have to be uniquely your room. You can share it with your brothers, but when you come home, that's your place. That's where Mekai and Bidika. And if you do Mechiras Chametz, the Mechiras Chametz can be Chal on the cubby. However, let's say once this kid grew up and went to Yeshiva, he doesn't really have a place that he is always his. Whenever he comes, his parents have to figure out where to put him. One time he's on the couch, one time he's in his old room, one time he's over here. In other words, he grew up to the point that even though technically these are his parents and they love him, but he, he sort of doesn't really have a place anymore. So if that's the case, every person has to do Bidika's Hametz. So where is he going to do Bidika? So it sounds, they, the, the editor says, that it sounds like you would have to go back to your spot to do Bidika's You have to go back to the yeshiva and sort of do Bidika's Hametz there. And as you can see, they explain it. And he's not going to be Makayim Bedika. This way, at least, he goes home. He goes to the he goes back to the yeshiva. He goes to his cubby on the night before Pesach or whenever it is. And now, at least in some ways, Makayim Takonas Chazal to do Bedikas Chometz. The Mishnah Brewer writes that um, if you buy an apartment, buy a house. And it's yours. And now it's totally yours. Even though you don't have the keys yet, the bedika, of course, is on the person who purchased it, even though he doesn't have the keys. So let's say you're buying a, a new apartment and there were workers there. So you now own it. You're mechuyiv to do bedika. Robert Kibalevich? Yes. I had a uh, uh, really interesting, uh, maybe I told you that already, that we, um, we moved into a new apartment, a brand new apartment. I was doing bedika, and behind the medicine cab- uh, cabinet, I found a, an empty beer can. Which is probably very, very similar from the workers, right? Exactly. Yep. So this is so. Here's the situation where you own the apartment; it's definitely yours. You have to do bedika. 
So we have to do Dikas Chomets. We know that probably the workers that were there probably ate Chomets. Now, let me explain this better. In, in Dr. Kogan's case, you moved in, right? <laughs> you moved in. Yes. In, in the case with Rebel Yashiv, they hadn't moved in yet, but he was the owner. Uh-huh. So, okay, this is a house that you own. So you're not, you're not ready. The, the movers haven't come yet, but technically it's yours. So Lachora, do you have to assume, although no one has lived there yet, right? Nobody yeah. has lived there yet. Right. It's a dira chadosha, but they were working, fixing it up. Yep. So since you own it, Lachora, you have to go to Badika. It seems to be, again, you, he has another place that he's living and he's not ready to move yet. Technically, he owns this other apartment now. So should he go there to do Badika? Sir Yashiv answered a very, you'll see what he says. He says, it's a new dira. You don't have to do Badika. He says, it's new. Who brought comets there? So the person said, the guys that work there, like you said, Dr. Kogan, yeah, what do you think? They bring their lunch, they, they eat chametz. It's mokam shachnis and chametz. Right. So Rebel Yoshev says, you still don't have to do bedika, which is interesting. Where does that come from? So let's see why. Because um, Lachora, as you say, workers, they don't care, and they probably have stuff. So, the, the Shulchan Aruch writes, in Simon Toflam Edvav, that let's say, you decide to turn your whole house into a storage place. Just going to hold items. Ein Zokoklevayr. Which means, even though you know there's chametz there, you don't have to do bedika. Why? Because it's not a house. You turned what used to be your house into a um, a place that you're storing stuff. Now, even though you know there was chametz there, because what do you do? You're mevatel the chametz. The chi of the rabbanon to do bedika, that bittel isn't enough. No one denies that you own that house which you've turned into a storage house. But a storage house that was a storage house for the last 30 days, in other words, during that whole period, it was not really a home, even though there was chametz, possibly a good chance that chametz was in there, we'll let you do bito. So since this is an apartment that they've just been working on, even though you own it, so 30 days before, you weren't going in there, you don't plan on moving in until after Pesach. So basically, there's no denying that you own the apartment. There's no denying, and probably Eliyosha would admit, that the Goyim could have left something there, or the non-Jews, or the Jews, whoever it was that was working there. But technically, it's not called your bias, that's Chayev and Bedika. And therefore, because of that, it doesn't mean that you don't care about the Chomets, you do Bittu. But you don't have to go to that apartment and, and, and check that apartment.
That's the Chiddush that uh, Rebbe Yoshev is, is, is saying. One of the things that uh, Rebbe Yoshev and many other poskim are very um, specific about is that um, that in any country that you're selling chametz, the document needs to be able to be enforced. That it has legal standing according to the laws of the country. And otherwise, it's not called Mechira's Chomet. So it really has to be a Mechira that works. It's not just something, you know, it might look like a Harama, but you need to say that this qualifies as a legal binding document uh, that, that can be enforced and that the Goy could actually come in and, and get the Chomets or keep the Chomets. We talked yesterday about um, uh, the difference between um, cream and cigarettes. And we explained that something that go- goes into your mouth, Rebel Yoshev felt, as many other posts can do, that you have to be more machmer, even though it was bottled from before. Um, Let's say you have toothpaste that doesn't have any chametz in it, but it has kidneys, taruvos in it. Now, we said chametz that, uh, uh, let me say it again. Toothpaste that has uh, chametz in it, you have to be machmir, and we don't, we don't say it's bottle, we don't say it's puzzle, because you're actually putting it into your mouth. Would we have the same chumrah for kidneys? Well, we know when it comes to kidneys, Rabbi Yoshim says, that if kidneys falls into a top shill and there's more of the other thing than kidneys, it's not Osir Bidiyavid. However, Rabbi Yoshim said, that's only if it falls in and you take all the kidneys that's that you see out of the mix. But if the kidney is, is still in there, Ashkenazim should not, even though it's a small percentage and it's already in there, Ashkenazim should not, should treat it like chametz and not use that product. So Rebel Yoshev said that that's a chumrah, but when it comes to toothpaste, you don't, it's based on sensing that there is some taste or something of the kidney is there. You don't see that in toothpaste at all, which is different than chomets, where it's mamish osir b'masha. Um, so Rabbi Yosha basically says that toothpaste of kidney is you don't have to worry because there has to be a time. But even though kidney is based on chomets, it doesn't have an isser of masha. So that's what you need to understand that, again, some people will laugh at this and say, oh, what are you worried about toothpaste for? But we are worried about toothpaste, but it's toothpaste of chametz, but not necessarily toothpaste of cornstarch or anything else like that. Rav Yosha was asked on a Pesach like this here, 
where Erev Pesach is on Shabbos. So you have to eat a Suda Shabbos of Chometz. Why? Well, Erev Pesach, you can't eat matzah the whole day. Now, so adults, we give them like a, 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 a little challah and they eat it on a napkin and they're very careful. But let's say you have some small children. Maybe there are certain parents that are able to to command their children how to eat uh, the challah. But for most children, there's a problem of the piruran falling everywhere. So what are they, how are they supposed to eat their Suda Shabbos? Maybe, since they're children anyway, give them matzah. Or who says that they have to have any sort of bread or matzah? So Rebel Yoshev said the following. Depends how old they are. If they're not yet really old enough, like six or seven or eight or nine, that they understand the idea of what a Suda of Shabbos means and how important it is to have a Suda Shabbos, you don't have to give them pas at all. But if they're already of a certain age, that they've already reached the age of Chinuch, so they need to have Suda Shabbos. And he says... And don't give them matzah. Because if they're at the age they understand this, they should be able to understand that it's special Erev Pesach. We don't eat matzah in Erev Pesach either. We wait till it's Pesach. Those two should go together. So he says, give them the little bulk. Give them, they're eight, nine, give them, the, give them a little challah and tell them that make sure, try to be careful with the crumbs. He says, even if they're, they're young, it's not the hardest thing in the world to do. The point of Rabbi Yashem, though, is, is that once they've reached the age of Chinuch, then the same way there's Chinuch for them to eat a Suda of Shabbos with bread or with a pas, they could also be, have the same Chinuch of the Chinuch of, of not eating matzah on Erev Pesach. Because that's also an important, um, it's also an important Indian about having, not eating matzah and Erev Pesach, and they can understand that as well. You don't have to tell them all the depth of it. But once they're shayach to chinuch, don't, don't sell your kids short and think they're not going to be able. And as we saw yesterday, even if there are some crumbs, the crumbs that are that small, if they're so small and it's difficult to pick them up, etc. You don't really have to worry about it. It's got to be a chaticha that you really need to worry about. Other than that, it's really, you know, again, crumbs, people make more out of crumbs than they should. Thanks for joining us for another episode from the Yeshiva of Newark at IDT Podcast. Be sure to subscribe on your favorite podcast app so you don't miss a single episode. 